BT Church, good morning. It's good to see you guys today. Thank you for making the decision to be here at church. Uh, my name is Danny. I get to be the online pastor, and I'll be bringing the message today. So y'all do me a huge favor. Welcome online church right now one more time. Uh, excited for the work that God is doing. Uh, I want to start off by saying congrats to the Houston Astros yesterday winning the World Series. You know, Some of you guys are excited about that. Uh, some of y'all became baseball fans last week, uh, and now you're like, Houston Astros forever. You're like, you don't know two people on that team, right? I'm just joking. Uh, cool for them, excited for them. Uh, but I'm excited for today. Uh, I want to echo something that Pastor Chris mentioned, uh, that, that we today, maybe for the first time, like, like this is your first time at BT, and we are so grateful that you made that decision. Your first time watching online uh, here with BT Church Online. Uh, we would really love to connect with you, so uh, definitely do us that favor of texting BTVIP to 97000 so we can uh, connect with you. But we're also here at BT, uh, we love to practice celebration. We, we're a culture of celebration. We love getting excited about the things that God is doing uh, here through this church. And so uh, yesterday we had our men's spiritual boot camp, our men's conference. So some of you men in the room uh, were a part of that and God moved in big ways uh, and, and people received Jesus for the first time. And so right now to date, we have seen 330 people say yes to Jesus. So man, God's moving. And a part of those 330 people, we've now seen 193 people uh, follow up through baptism and get baptized. So that's amazing, too. This morning, it was 191, but then we had our 9 a.m. service, and we got to see two people get baptized. And so it's just amazing to see what God is doing. And let me encourage you with this. If you are a part of that 330 people that have said yes to Jesus, but you have yet to be baptized, we would love to celebrate with you uh, as you publicly declare the decision that you have made to follow Jesus. So we can make it happen today. We have towels, we have clothes, we're ready to go, we just need you, uh, and we do have baptisms coming up later today, so we are excited about what God is doing. If you have a Bible, open up to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 is where we're going to be hanging out, we're going to read uh, here in a little bit, uh, but we are currently in a sermon series uh, called Moses, where we're simply looking at the life of this character of the Old Testament, this historic character uh, named Moses. We're looking at his faith, we're looking at his triumphs, we're also looking at his failures and kind of seeing the journey that God had for his life. We are now in week three of this series, and so let me say this really quick, if you missed week one and two, uh, go to bt.church slash teachings or go to our YouTube page, and you can easily uh, catch up and go binge watch those two videos. Uh, but maybe you're in this room, and you didn't grow up in church, right? That's okay. Not judging you. I didn't grow up in church either, so we, we love you anyway. Uh, but what I'm about to say, you might judge me for. Uh, I, I didn't grow up in church, and so I have yet to see an episode of VeggieTales. Like, how many of you guys are like, you just like love the VeggieTales. You're like, man, like, I still watch it today, right? Uh, maybe one day I will. I don't know. We'll see. I'm still wrestling with that decision. Uh, but maybe you didn't grow up in church, and you don't know a lot about this guy named Moses. Or maybe you did grow up in church, and you just still don't know a lot about this guy named Moses. That's totally cool. I'm glad you're here right now. Uh, but I'm excited about learning from his story because I believe that God's going to use this in a powerful way as he calls us on the mission that he has for us, right? And so if you don't know a lot about this guy named Moses, uh, just really understand this. He's kind of a big deal, right? Uh, think like greatest athlete of all time. Some of y'all thought Michael Jordan. Some of you were right and you thought LeBron James, right? I'm just joking. Starting arguments already in the morning. Come on, right? But Moses was kind of that for the Israelites, 
not, not, I'm not saying greatest athlete of all time in the Israelites, but what I'm saying is this iconic figure who did amazing work for the Israelites, right? He's the one uh, who led the Israelites out of slavery, who rescued them from, from the Egyptians after they were enslaved for 400 years, right? He's the one that when they came to the Red Sea and they thought there was no way, he's like, let my people go. We're going to do all this stuff. Here's the Red Sea. And the Red Sea parted and they walked through it, right? He's the one who led them through the wilderness, which was a rough road, right? And he's the one who wrote down the commandments so that the Israelites can have a relationship with God, right? And so all this stuff that Moses did, these powerful things, but before Moses did all this amazing work for God and for the Israelites, God had to do some work in the life of Moses to kind of get him to where he was, right? And that's where we find ourselves in, the, in the, just the area of Moses' story, right? So I want to read this passage. We're going to read a little bit. Exodus chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 13. We're going to read all the way to verse 17 of chapter 4. So let's do this together, church. Here we go. It says this. Then Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am to be remembered in every generation. I love that verse. Go and assemble the, the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob has appeared to me and said, I have paid close attention to you and to what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised you that I will bring you up from the misery of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. They will listen to what you have to say. Then you, along with the elders of Israel, must go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Now please let us go on a three-day trip into the wilderness so that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. However, I know that the king of Egypt will not allow you to go, even under force from a strong hand. But when I stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all of my miracles that I will perform in it, after that, he will let you go. And I will give these people such favor with the Egyptians that when you go, you will not go empty-handed. Each woman will ask her neighbor and any woman staying in her house for silver and gold jewelry and clothing, and you will put them on your sons and daughters. So you will plunder the Egyptians. Chapter 4. Moses answered, what if they won't believe me and will not obey me, but say, the Lord did not appear to you? The Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. Throw it in the ground, he said. So Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake, and he ran from it. I would have done the exact same thing, right? The Lord told Moses, stretch out your hand and grab it by the tail. I would not have done that. So he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. So this, uh, so this will take place, he continued, so that they will believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. In addition, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. So he put his hand inside of his cloak, and when he took it out, his hand was diseased, resembling snow. Put your hand back inside your cloak, he said. So he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, it had again become like the rest of his skin. If they will not believe you and will not respond to the evidence of the first sign, they may believe the evidence of the second sign. And if they don't believe even these two signs or listen to what you say, take some water from the Nile, pour it on the dry ground, the water you uh, take from the Nile will become blood on the ground. 
But Moses replied to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, either in the past or recently, or since you have been speaking to your servant, because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. The Lord said to him, Who placed a mouth on humans? Who makes a person mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. Moses said, Please, Lord, send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and said, Isn't Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And also he is on his way now to meet you. He will rejoice when he sees you. You will speak with him and tell him what to say. I will help both of you and him to speak and will teach you both what to do. He will speak to the people for you. He will serve as a mouth for you and you will serve as God to him. And take this staff in your hand that you will perform the signs with. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray that right now uh, you do the work that you desire to do in every single one of our lives. Everybody here right now in this room, everybody tuning in online, that we are here and we are expectant, God. We are ready to receive from you, God. So we just ask that you reveal yourself to us and show up in a mighty way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Has anyone ever been in a relationship before? Some of you are like, well, yeah, I'm married right now, bro, right? Uh, so some of you, like, you're in a relationship, you're dating someone, you, you've been married, right? Uh, you know, I get to do some work with young adults, and so we kind of talk about dating and relationships every so often. And one thing I notice is this, is that the start of a relationship is normally pretty exciting, right? You're getting to know each other, right? You have the butterflies in your stomach. For the ladies in the room, ideally, it's a free cup of coffee or a free meal, right? If it's not, red flag, let that person go, right? You're constantly talking to each other, texting in the late hours of the night. But then what, so what often happens is this, is that in relationships, one person in the party kind of realizes that they don't want to be in that relationship anymore. Something feels off, right? Butterflies go away. Coffee is not free anymore, right? <laughs> so then you have to have the classic ending the relationship talk, right? And I feel like when someone wants to end the relationship, it comes with the classic breakup excuse, right? It's like, hey, you're so great. So you're like really great. You have amazing qualities about you. You know, you're funny, you're great to be around, but I'm just not feeling this right now. And the guys over there thinking, wait, if I'm so great, why are we having this conversation, right? In other words, it's the classic, it's not you, it's me, right? First off, don't lie to people. Like if you're dating and like that's like just tell them like, hey, it's definitely you. I'm just joking. <laughs> Maybe you've told that to somebody before, right? Or maybe you're here and that's been told to you, right? I don't want to bring up, like, you know, bad drama from eighth grade, okay? But here's why I say all this. We just read a story of God choosing Moses for a huge mission, to go and rescue the Israelites from the Egyptians and Pharaoh's reign after 400 years of slavery, right? The Israelites had been in slavery for so long, and God all of a sudden, if you remember from last week, shows up on the scene, through the form of a burning bush, God shows up through fire and begins talking to Moses. And God heard the cry of the Israelites and said this, I'm going to do something about it, right? Like what a powerful thing to hear from God in that moment. So in that moment, I think what could have happened is that God could be like, all right, Israelites, you're free. And just snapped his fingers and boom, it was done, right? But he presents himself to Moses, and in conversation, he tells Moses, I'm here to rescue them. And Moses probably got extremely excited, all hyped up, like, yes, we've been waiting for this announcement for a long time, God, right? But then God also says this, and I'm going to use you to do it. 
And Moses is probably like, what? Like, why would you want to do that, right? <laughs> Moses probably had this confused look about him, right? But the reality is this, is that God chose Moses. And when God chooses Moses, he didn't choose Moses because of how awesome he was, right? He didn't choose Moses because of his biblical knowledge, his perfect church attendance, because he can play guitar and sing really well, right? Those are none of the reasons why he chose Moses. As a matter of fact, Moses actually had a really rough past, if you remember the story, right? That there was this moment where Moses was watching the Egyptian soldiers treat the Israelite slaves badly, poorly. And what did Moses do? He took matters into his own hands. Ended up striking down that soldier that, uh, that caused Moses to flee for his life, right? And so when God chose Moses, it's easy to kind of see why Moses maybe had this reaction of maybe confusion of why are you choosing me, right? Because I think this is what happened. I think the moment that God presented himself to Moses and chooses Moses for this mission, Moses begins thinking about his past. Maybe his past mistakes, his past failures, his past decisions. And maybe his thinking of his past makes him feel like he wasn't the right person for this position, right? Let me ask you this question. Do you ever wonder what God has for your life, right? We love saying this phrase at BT, right? We love saying God has big plans for you. Right? Have you ever wondered, like, God, what are those plans that you have for me? Right? Maybe you've kind of wrestled with that calling. Maybe you struggle with what God has for you. And maybe you felt like, okay, God, I feel like you're calling me to this, but I'm not the right person for that. Right? Somebody else is better. Somebody else can do it. Right? If that's you, if you're struggling with what God has for you, I want to say I think you're in the right place. Right? Right alongside Moses. Right? Because I'm the same way. Right, you can ask my wife, right? I've been communicating now. I've been having this opportunity to be able to speak for several years now. But it doesn't matter how many times I speak. It doesn't matter how many people in the room. It could be 10. It could be 1,000. I don't know. But I always get this feeling in my stomach where everything I ate and drank is about to come up, right? I'm like, it's, it, it hasn't happened, and I don't think it's going to happen, praise God, right? But I always get this feeling in my stomach, right? I'm like, God, like, you called me to this. Like, when is this feeling going to go away, right? But I feel like God... It just continues to happen because it's like the reminder that God's saying, I want you to trust me in this, right? And so here's the thing. So God called Moses to this. He feels like he's not the right person for the position. But yet God showed up in a huge way in his life, right? God showed up through talking to him in the form of a burning bush, which is crazy to think about already, right? And maybe you're like, man, like I believe God, right? But if God did that, I would do what he says, like, God, if you showed up and, like, if I walked into, like, like, to my backyard and there was a tree on fire and it wasn't, you know, falling down, it was just talking, like, yeah, I would listen to you, right? Or, or God, if you moved this mountain, or God, if you took this thing away from my life, or God, if you added this thing to my life, then I will do what you say, right? Can I tell you this morning that you do not need a burning bush, right? God spoke through the burning bush to talk to Moses, Powerful, scary, confusing all at the same time for Moses probably, right? But the purpose of that moment was for God to speak, right? You don't need a burning bush. I think we want the burning bush type of moment. But what God has done for us is given us himself through the person of Jesus. So this is how I'm talking to you, through Jesus and through his word, right? And so we have what we need to hear from God. I believe that God spoke to us so loudly of how much he loves us when he went to the cross through Jesus, right? So let's check this out because here we have this moment where Moses is wrestling with his calling that God had for his life, right? And I want you to think about this. We just read this whole passage, but maybe you caught this. Did you notice 
the reaction and response of Moses when he heard this call from God, right? So God's saying, I want you to go and rescue the Israelites. And then Moses kind of went through this process of reacting and responding to what God was doing. What did Moses do? How did he respond to God in that moment when God called out to him and chose him? Here's what he did. He threw out every single excuse and fear in the book, right? So God's like, Moses, I'm calling you to do this. And what did Moses do? Excuse, 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 right, over and over again. Moses is like, God, like, like you're, you're great. You're so great, right? Like, like you're loving. You're, you just do everything good. But, but God, like it's, it's not you. It's me, right? It's like, Moses, you just break up with God or something? Really? What are you doing, right? You just spoke to me through this bush and it was on fire and it didn't burn down. That was awesome, right? Right, but it's not, right? And so he's having this, this wrestling in, in his heart about what God's calling him to do. Let me, let me tell you this. Maybe you don't realize this, but the moment that we place our faith in Jesus, the moment that we say yes to Jesus, we maybe prayed a prayer, right? We walked down the aisle. We spoke to a pastor, right? You're reading the Bible. The moment that you said yes to Jesus, you receive salvation, meaning freedom, covering, payment for your sin. But that's not the only thing you receive, we don't just receive salvation when we say yes to Jesus. We're also sent out by God. We receive a mission from God. Theologian Philip Ryken says it this way, the God who saves is also the God who sends. So Moses wasn't just chosen by God. He was sent by God to go and do something. And so maybe you're also thinking this, why would God choose Moses? Like didn't God know about Moses' past, his mistakes, his decisions, what he did? I want you for a second to think about the moment that God chose you. I think we did that a while ago when we participated in the Lord's Supper, right? It's always a good time to remember the moment that we placed our faith in Jesus. So if you're in this room, if you're watching online, you have your faith in Jesus, think about the moment that that happened. What was the moment that the gospel became real to you? That when you heard the gospel and you heard about Jesus and what he did on the cross and overcoming death, that you said you were just overwhelmed by that message. You said, I have no other choice but to believe in what Jesus did. Think about that moment for you. Maybe for you, it was through the form of a burning bush. If that's you, come talk to me afterwards. I want to hear about that story, right? That sounds pretty cool, right? But maybe for you, it was like at camp, at a VBS when you were a little kid, or maybe it was a Sunday morning here at church, right? What was the moment that the gospel became real to you? But also, you have to think about this, that the moment that that happened, you were also sent out on mission, where God called out to you, Danny, Danny, I'm calling you out to mission. I'm calling you to not just receive salvation, but to be sent out and to serve. And in that moment, it's so easy to think about our own weaknesses, our failures, our faults, our insecurities. And maybe we think, he's not really calling me. Oh, God, like, God, I love what you did, but you're not really calling me to ministry. You're not really calling me to serve, right? That's for the professional Christians, right? So then we focus on our doubts, our fears, our worries, our lack of knowledge, our fear of public speaking, focus on our past, right? So you think maybe like, like you're like, God, like didn't you know what Moses did, right? Of course God knew, right? Because God knows, right? But yet even in that moment, God chooses Moses anyway, which is amazing. Because when Moses started giving every excuse in the book, the response of God was, Moses, I get it. I get it that you're fearful. I get it that you're doubtful. And we're going to walk through all of Moses' responses here in a second. Like God's like, Moses, I get it. But what you need to understand is that it's not about you. It's about me. Right? 
Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says this, For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless and love before him. Before the foundation of the world, get this church, God chose you. Right? Before the world was created, God chose you. Before the world knew you, God chose you. Right? Look at the person next to you and say, God chose you. Let him know right now. Remind him this morning, right? Tell yourself, right? God chose me, right? God knows all about you, and yet he chooses you anyway. So I want you to hear this this morning. If you have Christ, meaning if you at one point in your life have made the decision to follow Jesus, if you have Christ, you also have a calling in your life to live for him on mission. This call was uh, from God wasn't just for Moses. This call from God is not just for the disciples. This call from God is not just for the professional Christians or for pastors. This call is for anybody that would place their faith in Jesus. Christ, meaning it's for you if you believe in Jesus and you're in this room right now. So the question of do I have a calling, let me give you the answer, yes. But the question that I want us to process this morning is, am I walking in the calling that God has for me? Do I know what that call is and am I walking in this? And what happens is there's things that get in the way that prevent us from walking in that calling that God has for us. And for Moses, the things that got in the way were all these excuses that he was laying out before God as God was telling him to do something, right? Think about this. How many of you guys, and if you're a student in the room, it's probably true, like you didn't do your homework, right? And, and, and you know, it's Sunday night, you're like, I'm not going to do my homework, and even though I have this major project due tomorrow morning, right? And then when you show up, what do you do? You show up first off with the breakfast taco, right? <laughs> Amen. But then you give every excuse in the book, right? Like your dog is no longer hungry ever again because he ate all your homework, right? It's like you just keep using that excuse over and over again, right? We give excuses when we don't want to do something that we're called to do. Moses did the same thing. Look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. Here's the first excuse that Moses gave. The first thing that prevented Moses from following what God had for him. Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name? What do I tell them, right? Here's the first thing that prevented Moses from doing what God called him to do. The first thing was this, I don't have all the answers, right? Like that's the first excuse that Moses gave. That's the first thing that kind of prevented Moses from moving forward is I don't have all the answers. And I love what Moses does right here because we kind of get into his, his kind of heart and mind a little bit. If you remember back in, in, the, in the burning bush moment earlier in chapter 3, what happens is this, is God calls out to Moses through the form of the burning bush, and Moses' response in that moment was this, here I am, Lord. Like, this is awesome. I'm right here. Speak to me more, right? But then what did Moses say here? God spoke to him, told him what he wanted him to do, and then Moses does this. All right, if I go, right, so it's like now he's starting to doubt the things that God is saying, right? Moses went from here I am to if I go. Can I say this, church? I feel like we often want an encounter with God because it's incomparable to anything else we're going to experience in this world. But I think we often don't want to be sent out by God because it's inconvenient to the comforts of our lives. Right? That we love the encounters with God. We love conferences. We love events. We love Sunday morning, BT worship. They do amazing every single time. And we love the feeling that maybe it gives us. But then when God says, hey, I want you to do this, you're like, eh, I don't know about that. Like, all right, God, if I do that, like, what's going to happen, right? So then we kind of get this iffy feeling in our hearts, right? So God sends out Moses on mission, 
And his first response was, I don't know what to say. I don't have all the answers, right? Maybe for someone in this room, you struggle with that when it comes to sharing your faith. Is, I want to share my faith, but I don't have all the answers. I, I lack the knowledge, right? Can I give you some peace and calmness for a little bit? You're not going to have all the answers, right? I don't have all the answers, right? As you share your faith, people are going to come up to you with, like, all kinds of questions. of things. Like, you may be sharing a story about your faith, and they're going to ask you a question about, like, well, why about this in the Bible over here, right? And you're like, I don't, I don't even know if that verse even existed, right? And, and so, like, there's going to be realities that we don't have all the answers. But the truth is we know the answer in Jesus, right? I also think this, that our role in living out the mission that God has for us of sharing our faith is one, to be better listeners, to answer givers, right? That we listen to what people have to say. We listen to the questions that people have because when we listen well, I think we're going to be able to answer better, right? And what happens is we give people answers to questions they didn't even have, right? So we got to do this project one time um, when we were church planning in New York and we are being trained by, like, these church plant leaders. And the project was this. It was a project of listening. So we had to find a couple of friends or people that we knew that were either atheist or agnostic, meaning they don't believe in God at all or they're kind of on the fence about it, right? They're like, yeah, like maybe a, a God-like being can exist, but we can't really know him, right? So we had to find people that were atheist or agnostic and ask them a set of questions. And we could not give our response to their answers, right? Which was hard for me because if you know me, I'm a talker, right? So we had to go find atheists or agnostics. Let me say this. If you don't know an atheist or an agnostic, you need to make more friends that don't know Jesus, right? Amen. So we went out. I had some friends, you know, that, were, that came to our coffee shop. I said, hey, like, can I, can I ask you these questions and know this? Like, I'm not going to preach to you. I just want to hear your response of what you have to say. And they were, like, pretty hardcore questions like, where do you find morality? Is it possible to find morality type of thing, right? But the goal of it was to listen, right? And the goal of it also was to help people process what they actually believe in. And it was funny because I was talking to a friend of mine who was an agnostic. And as he gave his answers, I didn't even say anything, even though I knew it and I wanted to say something so bad. But he was like, yeah, I realized that I said this here and I said this here and they contradict, but I still believe it, right? So it's like as he's processing, he knows that his views are contradictory, right? But he, he still came to that conclusion anyway, right? And so I feel like that when we're good listeners, we can be better responders to the questions that people have. And so, yes, like Moses, you may not have all the answers. But the other reality is this, that we need to be people that seek the answer on a continual basis, right? Let me give you a side joke. Uh, we have a podcast, shameless plug. Uh, but in the podcast, uh, I am known as a stat guy because I just always throw out stats. But let me say this one. Pew Research did a poll seeking to find out how often Christians spend time reading the Bible. Christian, not you in this room, like, like Christians out there, like, because we're all perfect, right? <laughs> and here's what they found. 35% of Christians say they read the Bible once a week. 45% of Christians say they seldom or never read the Bible, right? Not you, right? Like I said already, right? Out there, right? But that's half the people who profess belief in Jesus who never spend time in his word. And you're like, I don't have the answers. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> right? 
But when we as believers of Jesus don't take the Bible seriously, one, we can't expect the culture to take the Bible seriously at all, right? But when we as believers of Jesus don't take time to study his word, of course we're going to feel like I don't have all the answers, right? And so maybe that's a struggle for you. And here's what God does. When Moses says, what do I tell them? I don't have all the answers. God says, I am who I am. Tell them that I am has sent you, right? It's okay that we don't have all the answers because I believe that through our faith in Jesus, the work of the Holy Spirit is going to work in us and through us in the moments that God is calling us to do something on mission for him. And then what God does is something really cool. Look at verse 15. God also said to Moses, say this to the Israelites, the God of, their, of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me to you, right? We're going to talk about this here in a little bit, but that phrase is repeated throughout this passage. And what happens is this, that God then goes on to remind Moses of who he is, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Why is that significant? Because when we struggle believing that God is going to move in our lives, I think what we need to do is simply be reminded of who God is and how God already has moved in the past. What do I tell them? Who do I say that you are? God says, tell them about me. Tell them I am has sent me. Here's the second one. So the first one. I don't have all the answers, right? Second one is this. Look at verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. So God goes through everything. God gives him, like, what exactly what he's going to do. I will do this. I will do that. And then chapter 4, verse 1, Moses answered, what if they won't believe me, right? Maybe the second excuse that we have often when it comes to living on mission for what God has for us is this, is I don't think that they will believe me. All right, okay, God, if I do this, so now I'm processing, I, I might do the thing that you're calling me to do, but... What if I share all this information? What if I listen to their questions and, and, and what if I give them answers? But what if they don't believe me, right? I think one of the fears and unhealthy pressures that we place on ourselves is how people are going to respond to the message that we have to share. So that kind of prevents us from sharing anything, right? We can't control how people are going to respond. That's not our job. But we can control our sharing of this message to live on mission. And we have to allow God and trust God to work in the hearts of the people that he's sending us to, right? In this moment, God then begins to perform these wild miracles in Moses' life of throwing the staff on the ground, putting his hand in his cloak and all that good stuff, right? And so we see God saying, like, like hey, like if they don't believe you, let me, let me show you who I am and how I work, right? So here's what I believe God is saying, right? He, he counters the excuse that Moses have of what if they don't believe me? He says this, if they don't believe you, they're going to believe me. I'm going to do some work in their life. I'm going to perform some miracles, and if they don't believe you, they're going to believe me. We don't know how people are going to respond to the gospel. We don't know how people are going to respond to the message of the gospel, but all we can do is put it in front of them. But there's a reality of this. If we never put the message of the gospel in front of people, then we don't give them the opportunity to come to know who Jesus is. We have to put the gospel in front of people, right? I love verse 2. The Lord asks him, what's in your hand, right? If you know the story of Moses, the staff was a powerful reminder of who God is for Moses. It's like God saying, what you have in your hand is all you need, right? So let me remind you, church, like, like maybe we fear, like I don't have all the answers. Maybe we fear, what if they don't believe me? What we have is all we need. We have Jesus. We have his word. And that's what we need to live on mission. Here's the third one. Look at chapter 4, verse 10. But Moses replied to the Lord, please, Lord, I have never been eloquent. Right? One, I love the patience of God. It's like, okay, excuse number three. Like, you know, baseball, three strikes, you're out. God just keeps giving them, you know, it's like, you're good. Like, just 
keep throwing all the excuses at me, right? Moses here begins to talk about his insecurities. He brings up his weaknesses. He's not a good communicator, right? Also, I mean, at this point, like, just amazed of how often God's, like, allowing him to keep talking with these excuses, right? And what Moses is doing at this point is continuing to focus, to set his attention on his faults and his failures, right? On where he doesn't feel adequate enough. And I love what Moses says. He says this, I have never been eloquent. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about the reality of God calling you to, to missions, to do something, to ministry, to serve, right? And maybe in that moment you're saying, God, I hear what you're saying, but I have never been blank. And I want you to fill in that blank. When it comes to our relationship with God, the moment that we place our faith in him, the first time we receive salvation, we are saved. God did all of that. But then we enter into this process of sanctification, meaning this process of transformation into forming ourselves into the image of Christ, right? That we're continuing to grow in our understanding of who God is, right? So we choose to place our faith in him. And then through reading the Bible, through prayer, to spending time with God, to showing up at church, we're growing in our understanding of who God is. And here's why I say all this. Because maybe for someone in this room, you feel called to serve. You feel called to do something for God when it comes to the mission that he has for us. But maybe your thought is, okay, I get it, but I've never been blank. I've never been good at this. I've never done this before. I've never, right? Let me say this. Just because you've never been something doesn't mean you can't become something. If I told my high school self that I would be a pastor, it would not make any sense, right? My MySpace will show all of that, that I, I should not be a pastor right now, right? <laughs> Don't go look for it, right? But I also think back too, I remember the first time I got the opportunity to preach on a Sunday morning at Alaruza Baptist Church. Pastor Chris Dupree was there. If you know anything about Chris, he just throws you in the fire, right? That's what he does. So he's like, Danny, you're going to preach Sunday morning. I was like, okay. This sounds great. It lasted about eight minutes, right? Some of y'all, I was, this message lasted eight minutes right now, right? So I can go watch football, right? I had never done that. But it doesn't mean we don't try to, to do it, to do the thing that God's calling us to do, right? That we take steps in the direction that God has for us. And here's the beauty of what God does. Moses says, please, Lord, I've never been eloquent. But look what God does in verse 12. Now go, I will help you speak. Y'all remember the story of Gideon, right? The Israelites, they were like, you know, held captive, right? And then, and then God calls Gideon to be the one to step up. You remember Gideon's response? He says this, well, my family is the weakest. Hopefully his family didn't hear what he had to say about that, right? Secondly, he's like, I'm the youngest, right, of my clan, right? And God says, yeah, I'm choosing you. But when Gideon gave these excuses, what God did is God gave promises. But I'm going to go with you. That's the difference. When God calls us on mission, right, if you remember the Jesus, his words that he said when he resurrected from the dead in Matthew chapter 28, he says, all right, now go and make disciples. But then what he says at the end is this, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. When God calls you, he's going to go with you. And that's a promise that we have to hold on to, right? So what, what does God do to counter? God, I, I don't have what it takes. He says, I'm going with you. And here's the fourth one. Look at verse 13, chapter 4. Moses said, please, Lord, send someone else, right? He's like, I don't want to do this, right? At this point, Moses is pleading to God to send somebody else. Maybe we think that, that this isn't for me. This is for somebody else, right? But remember what I said, if you have Christ, you also have a calling. The reality is that this is probably true, right? Here's the fourth excuse. Others are more qualified, right? His thinking is, is I'm not qualified enough to do this. Others are more qualified to do a better job. Can I say this? 
Others are more qualified. <laughs> they probably are. There's better communicators. There's better speakers. There's better worship leaders, all that, whatever. But if you're called to do something, then we take steps in that direction, right? So that reality is probably true. Others are more gifted and talented than we are, right? I remember hearing this as well in our church plant training from a New York pastor. He said this, you can be, and thinking about like the context of an urban ministry like that, an urban city where there's so many people, he said this, you can be the very best violinist in the state of Arkansas, not dogging Arkansas. If you're from Arkansas watching online, we love you guys, right? But just state the kind of mind. You can be the very best violinist in that state, but when you move into a city like that, the homeless person who's playing violin in the subway is probably better than you are. I was like, whoa, that's crazy, right? And what happens in that context is sometimes competition kind of brings out the best in people. Sometimes competition brings out the worst in people and it makes you feel insecure and a failure, right, and all that good stuff. But here's the thing. When it comes to ministry and the mission that God has for us, we're not in competition, right? We're not comparing ourselves to where other people are. Someone is going to be further along the journey than you are when it comes to the ministry that God has for you. And that's okay, right? Because we're not called to compare each other to somebody else. The goal of all this is simply to tell people about the good news of Jesus, how it's forever changed our lives. So maybe you feel like, yeah, I'm called, but others are more qualified. Here's what God does. Here's how God rebuttals that. First, he gives God Aaron. He gives, uh, sorry, God gives Moses Aaron. He gives him help, right? So he says this, others might be more qualified, but you are called. So let's go make it happen, right? And so here's my question I have for us, is how do we get past all this? Maybe you're in this room and you've been, you had your faith in Jesus for a long time. You've been following Jesus for a long time. But maybe it's kind of been this kind of mundane, you know, relationship with Jesus. How do we get past all this? How do we get past our insecurities, our doubts, our fears? If you're called to ministry or if you're called to missions, which everybody in this room who knows Jesus is, how do we get past the reality of, I don't know all the answers? How do we get past the reality of, I don't feel qualified? How do we get past that others are, are maybe better at this than I am, so I'm just going to let them do it? What do we do, Right? Here's how I want to close off today. The passage that we just read, Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 13, all the way to chapter 4, verse 17. God does something pretty special here. He does this. He repeats himself. Now, I believe this. Every word in the Bible is important, right? But I've also always had this practice of when something in the Bible is repeated, it's got to be, like, super important, right? It's like, okay, every word in the Bible is important, but this, this phrase is there twice, Maybe God's, like, trying to scream at you, like, hey, hey, right? If it's repeated, in my opinion, it's got to be important. And here's what God repeats. Throughout this passage, four times God tells Moses, let them know that the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, that that's the God who is sending you. Why does God repeat himself? I think because God is simply reminding Moses of who he is and what he's done. And God is saying, I worked back then, and I'm going to do the same work now. Right? And so, so in our lives, like, like, like you've been sitting at church for a long time, you've been wrestling with the calling, right? And, and you grew up in church and you watch VeggieTales and you read the Bible and you do all this stuff, right? And you know a lot of information about God. But yet when we feel called to serving God, we have this kind of hesitation of like, I'm not good enough, I'm not qualified enough, I lack knowledge, I do all, I have these fears and doubts and worries and insecurities about myself. I think what God is simply doing is saying, just be reminded of what you already know. Be reminded that God loves you. Be reminded of the reality of salvation is that sin separates us from God. 
But because of the work of Jesus on the cross and our faith in Jesus, that separation doesn't have to exist. By our response and faith in him, that we can be reminded that the same God who worked back then is the same God who's going to work now. I believe that we're going to continue to see these crazy revival numbers of 330 people receiving salvation. If we're going to continue to see that, it's going to take us reminding ourselves that we already know about God. Secondly, it's going to take us surrendering to the work that God wants to do in our lives. Maybe for somebody in this room, that surrender aspect looks for you like giving your life to Jesus for the first time. Maybe for somebody in this room, that surrender aspect for you looks like saying, you know what, like I've been doing this job for a long time, but I'm actually feeling called to ministry full time. I'm going to leave this. I'm going to pursue this, right? That might be for somebody. I don't know, right? But the reality is this, is that I believe that God is calling us to step up and to continue to serve despite the reservations that we might have in our lives of, God, I don't know enough. What if they ask hard questions? God, other people are more qualified to do this better than I am, right? It's crazy to see what God will do in your life when you simply give him your yes and you surrender to him, right? And so what I want to do is I want to give us the opportunity to let God work. As we close out, Understanding that, that you're here, you showed up, you, you turned on a Facebook or a YouTube link and you're here and you're watching us and you're processing everything that God is teaching you. I, I think what we need to do is allow God to move in our hearts and minds where we respond in him. And for somebody, that response might look like giving your life to Jesus for the first time, trusting in the work that he did on the cross. For somebody, it might look like giving your life to ministry for the first time, even though you've been following Jesus for quite some time. And we want to provide those responses for you guys. So here's what we're going to do. For anybody in the room that wants to give their life to Jesus for the first time, I just want to pray. And what I want you to do is pray alongside me. You can just repeat this prayer in your mind, right? You can whisper it right where you are. You can just consider this prayer. And if you desire to give your life to Jesus for the first time today, then I want you to pray this prayer alongside me. I want everyone to close your eyes and bow your heads. And for anybody in the room that, that you want to accept Jesus for the first time, believing in the work that he did, Trusting that, that God loves you, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Trusting that the work of the cross completed the work of salvation by our faith in Jesus. But I want you to simply share, say this prayer alongside me. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. And I trust and ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross, and I believe you rose from the grave. So, Jesus, I trust you and ask you to come into my life. I want to trust you, Jesus. I want to follow you. You are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.